Well, if you happen to not be aware or paid attention when you came in this morning, uh, this morning is uh, our small group launch for the fall. And, uh, you know, and so I know some of you may wonder, well, how long are we going to do this? Until. Until the Lord tells me otherwise. And, uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, we've been about a little over a year, I guess, uh, in really kind of starting to implement some of this uh, ministry, if you will, this type of ministry. And you say, well, why? Because it's biblical. You can see it throughout Scripture. Uh, and I'm going to share some things with you along this line. Uh, and, and so I'll just kind of say it up front. You know, we're reformatting a lot of how we do it, uh, partly to make it simpler. I like simplicity. And, uh, you know, and so there's a, and it, you know, and so we're kind of not, I guess technically it starts on September 13th, um, but we're reformatting our Wednesday nights where we're going to have multiple things going on, uh, multiple places for you to come and to get fed and to get, and really to tap into. And, uh, you know, and so I'm going to share some things this morning really about the kind of the why behind it, if you will. And, uh, you know, and I, you know, and so anyhow, so that, I say all that to say, here we go. And, uh, you know, and so, but there is a purpose behind uh, the gatherings. And, uh, you know, and, and we're doing this really, I mean, even in the youth group, we're doing this in uh, even our adult ministries here in the church because I believe it makes us even more effective. Uh, not just um, for me uh, as the pastor, although let me say this, that one of the things, if you're not careful, you will look at me and say, well, you're the professional Christian. That's why we call you pastor. You pray, you hear from God, you preach. That's what you do. Yes and no. My job is to pastor the flock that God has entrusted to me, not just to preach to you. And so there's a difference. Because as a preacher, I love to preach. Don't get me wrong. I would love nothing more than just to preach all the time. It brings great joy into my life, and I love what I do. But I'm not called to preach. I'm called to lead God's people. And there is a difference. And so even structurally within the confines of our church, you're like, well, I mean, my goal is that I actually don't lead anything on Wednesday nights. And you say, well, I thought that's what you do. Well, but there are aspects of our church that I need to have more time to really focus on as far as the leadership side. Because, you know, and I've said this even to our leadership is that, hey, I can pastor the church fine. As far as this, you come, you sit in a chair, you listen to me preach. We're going to say, praise God, we'll go home. And there's a place for this. And I'm going to talk about this this morning. But there is also another aspect and another avenue because what can happen if you're not careful is you just become a receiver from the church and you're not a contributor to the church. Now that doesn't mean that you have to stand in a pulpit. But what I am telling you is there are things inside of you that you do not know or you've not tapped into or you don't even perceive that God says, I have hidden treasure in you that somebody else needs. So for me to just tell you to come in here and in a sense say, sit down, smile, shut up, and let's go, that's really not the best. And I'm going to share some things with you about my heart behind this uh, because I believe it's vitally important. Vitally important. Why? Because you can come to church like this in this situation, sit down, worship, love God, go home, and be no different, really. But you can also come here, be touched, the power of God move, and you can go home lonely. 
And it's just you and Jesus. Well, we're not created to just be us and Jesus. We're created for relationship. We're created to what? To minister to one another. And there are gifts, abilities. There's things in your life that God has worked in that would be a blessing and a benefit to other people. And so, you know, obviously we have several things that we're offering if you want to say it that way. But these are things that I felt led by the Lord that, hey, this is the things that we need. Um, you know, that, that these are the specific things in my heart for this semester. And, you know, and just so you know, some of the things that we're doing, none of this is new. I've been talking about this for two years. A lot of it. With our leadership and talking about that I sensed that there was a change that we were going to make with some things. And so we've just been making steps in a direction. And I believe it's for your blessing and for your benefit. I'll say that again. I believe with all of my heart that this is for your blessing and your benefit. It's not just... Well, we need to do something different. We need to make a change. No, we don't really have to. But I do feel like that this is what the Lord is leading us to do. And so, uh, let me read you one of the foundational verses really about this. It comes out of Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Uh, Read verse 42 and 43 here, as well as verse 47. But here in verse 42 of Acts chapter 2, it says that all the believers devoted themselves to four things. So this is the early church, and they had explosive growth, and a lot of people got impacted. And this is how they did it. It said, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, so to doctrine, to fellowship, to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So there's four elements here. Doctrine, which is teaching, instructing, discipleship. There's an element of that 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 was part of the church all the time. People were fellowshipping, congregating. But they weren't just getting together for a meal. They were actually discussing Scripture. They were talking about, hey, what did, they, what did we hear them preach about the other day? It wasn't just about, well, hey, let's just hang out and have a good time. Although there's elements of that because it does say that they were in fellowship. They were in relationship with each other. You know, and so they, they discussed the Bible. They talked about Scripture. They talked about where they were at, what the, the challenges they were facing in light of Scripture. And said, okay, well, this is your circumstance. So what does the Bible say about it? So that would fall under the apostles' doctrine even. The second thing they did was they fellowshiped. They got together. They ate together. They hung out together. They did life together. They were in community together. The third thing that we see is it says that the breaking of bread, which was really about the Lord's Supper. And it was about communion and and fellowshipping in that way together. And the last part was prayer. So the early church was built on four principles. Four things. And that's what we see right there. They discussed the Bible. They fellowshiped. They ate together. They took uh, communion together. And they prayed together. And so part of, uh, you know, really what we're... Well, let me read verse 47. It says, and all the while they were praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now, one of the things that I see in the book of Acts as we read about the early church. And I find it interesting, you know, and I know sometimes people get nervous and they say, man, that's crazy. But how many of you are familiar with the passages of scripture where it says that they went and sold everything they had and they evenly distributed it between all of them? Anybody familiar with that verse? I know everybody gets nervous and they say, well, that's kind of cultish. Well, let me tell you, from what I can see in Scripture, nobody 
ever stood up and said, hey, as the church, we're all going to go sell all of our stuff. That's not how I read what happened. What I read is that, hey, we realize that there are those among us who don't have what they need. Therefore, I'm going to go sell some of my stuff and I'm going to take care of them. It wasn't the church heading, you know, the apostles didn't stand up and say, everybody go sell everything and we're going to have a big community pot. That's how weird things start happening because people start leading that way. But here's the thing. How do you know of a need with somebody that you don't know? If somebody has a need in their life, they could come into our service, sit wherever, and leave, and no one ever know what's actually going on in their life. And I don't just mean in the area of physical. That's really the most insignificant part of our life. What about emotionally? I mean, what if somebody in our church lost a family member? What if, let's just say, it's in context of what's going on right now, we've got a hurricane... What if somebody lost a member of their family this weekend and yet they could sit right in this same service, sit in the same worship that we have and listen to the same word that you hear and yet go home with the weight that I just lost a family member. Why? Because we do church in rows. I just stare at the back of the head in front of me. And if I don't look around, nobody knows that there's actually something going on in my life that I would love somebody just to put their arms around me and say, hey, it's going to be okay. I'm with you. I'm here for you. But when we just do church in rows, it makes that kind of hard sometimes. Why? Because we just come in and we do our thing and we leave and everybody's, see you next week. And yet the early church, it says that they got together. They even sacrificed for one another voluntarily. Nobody's forcing anything. And that's not my heart at all. But there is the side of it that, hey, we ought to be in like real relationship. I mean, you know, there are so many things about our church that are awesome. That what God is doing is amazing. God's growing our church and that's great. But if we lose touch with one another, it's not good. We're called to relationship, community together. You don't need more friends. What you need is spiritual connections. Like true heartfelt relationship. And it's important. It's important for every single one of us. No one is exempt from this. The early church had it and our church needs it. You know, I mean, it's not just enough for us to have church fellowships where we get together and we hang out, and yet we never actually discuss the Bible. Never talk about what's the Holy Spirit stirring in in your heart right now. Where are you at? What's going on? Let me pray with you about that. There's relationship being had, and that should be had, that we all need. And we see it in the beginning of the book of Acts. And because they took care of these four things, what happened? The church grew. People weren't left out. People weren't falling through the cracks. Everybody was doing their part. And everybody was ministered to. You know, one of the, and this is, you'll probably start hearing this phrase a little bit more, is that community happens in circles, not rows. Real relationship happens across the dinner table. Real relationship happens, you know, grabbing coffee. Sometimes it's a phone call. Hey, I was just thinking about you praying for you. I know you mentioned something last week and I was praying and I felt like the Lord gave me a verse. And here's what the Lord, but I felt like he stirred up in my heart for you. You know, do what you want with it, but here you go. 
That's real relationship. You know, and so even in this, you know, and I've shared this before. Some of these things that I'm going to share this morning, I've shared before, but I'm going to share it again because some of you, I realize, haven't heard it, but also know that it's important to keep things before you. You know, years, a number of years ago, uh, Harvard Medical School did some research. Now, this wasn't a spiritual study by any means. But what they wanted to find out was relationally what mattered to people and how relationships affected people. So I'm going to give you a very short version of what their findings were. Now, this is Harvard Medical School, one of the best in the country. They studied several thousand people. And this is what they found. People who had poor health habits. Let me, I'll just read it, what it says here. It says, Harvard research found that the most isolated people were three times more likely to die early than those who, with strong relational ties. The most isolated people, we're not meant for isolation. We're not. Nobody is. God did not create us to be isolated people. We're meant for relationship. Now here's where it gets interesting to me. It says people who had bad health habits, which included smoking, poor eating habits, obesity, or even alcohol abuse. But strong social ties lived significantly longer than people that had great health health habits but were isolated. So I like the way that they summed all this up. I love the way they say it. I think it's really funny. Is that it? So they kind of to paraphrase everything. This is how they summed it up. It's better to eat Twinkies with friends than to eat broccoli alone. Amen. That's not an endorsement on Twinkies because they're terrible. But <laughs> but it's better to enjoy a piece of cake with some friends than it is to just be. Doing the right things, but be completely isolated. Because you can be physically in good shape, and yet spiritually and emotionally completely a wreck. I mean, God desires that we have a balance. We're created for relationship. I mean, go back to the very beginning. God looks at Adam. It's not good that he's alone. Adam needs a friend. God gives him a wife. And you're like, well, I got me and my wife. I'm good. Jesus didn't have a wife. But he did have 12 guys who were with him all the time. They were in relationship with one another. There was even a tight-knit group of three inside of the 12. Jesus was in constant relationship with the disciples and with many other people for that matter. But it's important that we're not just talking about, well, we're just going to get together and I'm going I'm to get some new friends. Yes, but it's deeper than that. It's got to be a, 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 a really a spiritual connection, spiritual relationship, one with another that is what? Hey, we're going to discuss the Bible. We're going to pray together. And when you're down, I'm, I'm here for you. I love the verse in, in Proverbs that says that a friend is born for adversity. If you really want to know who your friends are, get into trouble and see who shows up. Amen. That's a friend. I have a friend right now, a good friend of mine. Who's dealing with a major challenge. And if I told you, you would say that's heartbreaking. I didn't pull back and say, well, I'm just going to pray from a distance. I leaned in. I said, hey, I'm here for you. I'm praying for you. I love you. If there's anything I can do, please let me know. Why? Because a true friend is born for adversity. 
See, and we all need people like that in our life, but you can't have people like that isolating yourself. You're going to have to have a willingness to open up and to trust. And you're like, yeah, but I've been hurt. So have I. I understand. And I'll show you here in a few minutes, even from Scripture, why this really matters. We were created for relationship. Like honest relationship. Not just, here's my pretty little perfect little mask and my life's perfect and I smile and my family looks good. Just don't come home with me. I mean like, this is my life and it's a wreck and I'm hurting. And maybe it's not that bad, but maybe it's, hey, there's some things that could be better. Maybe your life's not in catastrophic stage. Praise the Lord. But everybody's got things that we're facing. We all need people to come around and to lift us up and to strengthen us at times. And then there's other times where, hey, I'm doing well. Well, great. You have a responsibility to now what? To extend a helping hand. An encouraging word. I mean, just to be able to walk up to somebody and to genuinely say... Hey, I love you and I care about you. And I'm glad we're doing life together. You know, I mean, because it's what? That's tangible. I mean, it's a tangible something that we get to encounter. It's one of the reasons why actually coming to church makes a difference. Why? Because there's love that is transmitted that can't be felt any other way. I mean, I'll give you an example of this. My parents live a couple hours away, live in Shreveport. It's different when I tell my mom I love her on the phone than when I love her in person and we can hug. It's different. That's part of the value of church. And not being isolated, but genuinely being connected to other people. Now, God has a spiritual purpose for this in mind. Let me read you a verse, though, a couple verses here before we get to that. Romans chapter 1, verse 10 The Apostle Paul makes uh, some statements here. He's talking to a group of believers, but he says, One of the things that I always pray is for the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. So Paul said, hey, I want to come for a visit. He says, I've been praying for the Lord to let me come see you. He says in verse 11, For I long to visit you. So that I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow in the Lord. Paul says, look, I want to come and see you because I have a gift from God for you. That's what he says. Is that not what it says right there? The Apostle Paul speaking to him. He says, look, I have a spiritual gift to bring. Now that sounds one-sided. You could look at it this way. Is that Paul says, hey, I'm somebody, God speaks to me, and I have a gift that I want to give you from the Lord. Now, if I stood up and said, hey, I have a word from God this morning, how many of you want it? A lot of your hands would probably go up. Yeah, I want a gift from God. But yet Paul didn't stop there in verse 12. He says, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith. Okay, I have a gift to impart to you. I have something that the Lord has been stirring in me for you. So I want to encourage you in your faith. But I also want to be encouraged by yours. It's mutual faith. It's not one-sided. There's a cooperation happening. There's a a back and forth that's going back and forth. And Paul says, look, yeah, the Lord has given me something for you. But I also need to be encouraged by you. 
See, some of you think you have nothing to offer. You're like, well, man, I'm just trying to make it to next week. But I'm telling you, there is more in you than you realize. And you have more to offer than you think. I mean, there are lessons and experiences that you've had with the Lord that other people would love to hear. Where where do you share your story? Even with the people that you go to church with. Somebody needs healing in their body and yet you can say, hey, you know, let me just share with you my story, what God did in me. It may not be preaching like this, but yet it's still ministry. And then what happens? Hey, there's a connection. Hey, look, I faced a challenge too. I, I know what it's like to question if I can pay my bills, but I can tell you this is that God was faithful to me. And just like he was faithful to me, he'll be faithful to you. And just the way, hey, let's pray. Let's be in relationship. And I, I just want to encourage you. It's not over. God's working. God's moving on your behalf. Sometimes when we're weak, we need those who are stronger. Well, how can that happen if we don't give place in community for that to happen? Paul says, look, I want to be mutually encouraged. I want to be mutually strengthened. The message Bible says it this way. He says, but don't, or verse 12. He says, don't think that I'm, not, that I'm not expecting to get something out of this too. So, hey, I've got a gift to bring you, but don't think I'm not, I don't have an expectation. He says, you have as much to give to me as I do to you. You have the Apostle Paul speaking to some crazy Roman Christians. Go read about them. They were all kinds of twisted. Here's the Apostle Paul saying, look, you have as much to give as I do. There's this mutual faith, this mutual community that's happening. You know, I heard a message here a while back, maybe a month ago or so. And I love the way uh, it was actually at a pastor's conference and I was listening to it. I've listened to it several times already. And, uh, but it just really spoke to me. But I love the way uh, that this particular gentleman really kind of addressed it. And it, so I'm going to call it this. Is, it's kind of the threefold way that God works in our lives. There's really three main ways. The first one is this, and he called it the power of the pulpit, which is what I'm doing right now. A a pulpit setting is a very unique situation. But there is power in the preaching of the gospel. There is power in the preaching of the word of God. And that's why you're here today. Because you recognize, hey, there's power in the pulpit. There's something that when the anointing of God comes on an individual to preach the word of God, that's totally unique. And it's totally different. But the preaching of God's word brings what? It brings power. It brings revelation. It brings breakthrough. That's the power of the pulpit. Another one is the power of the spirit. And we've got to have this. It's not optional. All of us have to have. We need the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our life. Now it may look differently in my life, your life, everybody. That's fine. I'm not here to tell you how God's going to move in your life. But what I am here to tell you is you better have God moving in your life. I don't care what it looks like. But the power of God is vital for you. It's vital. Why? Because we need the help of the Holy Spirit. Every one of us needs it. All the time. Probably more than we even realize sometimes. But we need the power of the Holy Spirit. So the power of the pulpit. I mean, hey, we need to come and be challenged and encouraged. And our faith needs to be stirred up. Yes. 
But we also have to invite the Holy Spirit to work. That's why we end our services in worship every week. And I encourage you to pray and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me right now? You're inviting the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, before I leave this service, sometimes you need to pray this even. At the end of a service to say, Lord, I realize that your word has been sown into my life. That revelation was just sown. And I don't want the enemy to steal it. I don't have time to teach. There's a whole parable about that. But you could pray and say, Holy Spirit, I ask you to seal this in my heart that the enemy can't steal it. That may be the right prayer for you to pray one week. Lord, I don't want to lose this word. Keep it in my heart. Holy Spirit, help me to not allow the enemy to come in and steal the word that was sown. So, the threefold, three ways that God works in our lives. The power of the pulpit, the power of the Spirit. And the last one is the power of the circle. I said this earlier. Relationships don't happen in rows. They happen in circles. Face to face. Now, here's an interesting thought for you. Now, Paul lived in a day where you could write letters. They didn't have phones. They didn't have email. They didn't have FaceTime. They didn't have all this stuff. And yet, Paul made it very clear... That he says, that I long to visit you so that I can bring you a spiritual gift. This is the Apostle Paul. Why couldn't he just pray from one place and say, Lord, send them that gift? It's not what Paul said. He says, I long to be with you. In other words, I need to be face to face for this exchange to happen. We live in a very isolated, very surface culture. Why do I need to call when I can just send a text? I don't need to go visit them. I'll just call them. Now, I'm not telling you to go show up on random people's doorstep and be like, Hey, I know you go to church with me. I just want to show up and say hello. I'll just tell you, if you show up at my house... And you don't call, I may come to the door, I may not. You didn't give me the courtesy of calling, I may not give you the courtesy of opening the door. Now, I would let you in. But there is just courtesy to call. Say, hey, I want to talk. Is there a time that I could sit down with you? Of course, my default's always, let's go eat something. It's biblical. It is biblical, people. I open my mouth and it opens my heart. You know, I mean, it just, uh, it happens. Why? It's scriptural. We, I mean, we see it time and time again. And if I have the choice, it's going to be good food. You know, I mean, no, but we have to connect relationally. And that can only happen face to face. Look, I believe in doing whatever you can. The message I just referred to, I wasn't there when it was preached. I listened to it on my phone and it blessed me. But I wasn't in the room. And I can guarantee you this because I've done it many times. That I was in the room when something was being communicated. Something was being shared, you know, as far as the preaching of God's word. And it impacted me in a way that was much more impactful than it did when I went back and listened to it again on my on my phone. Look, it's not that, ba- that that's bad. We have a podcast. We put it out there. I encourage you. Hey, if you miss church, go back and listen to the messages. I believe in that. But it's not the same thing as face-to-face relationship. 
Now, I don't say that to condemn you in any way, but it is a fact. I mean, I could listen to a sermon. I mean, and a lot of people do this today. You can listen to the greatest preachers on the planet at any moment. Oh, I like so-and-so preach. Yeah, but can you go eat dinner with them? Can they actually lay hands upon you? I mean, I, you know, I, I, I've heard people make statements like that. Oh, well, I, you know, me and my, you know, I, I listen to this guy and I send my tithe over there. Yeah, but what about face-to-face relationship? Because what's really the, what's, what's the danger in that is you're not rightfully understanding the body of Christ's value to you. Not, has nothing to do with the preacher. It has to do with the body of Christ coming around you. So that when life happens, when you lose a family member, when something you know, happens to you, you have people to love on you. And here's the neat thing. When you get married, when you have a baby, when you get a promotion, guess what? You've got people to celebrate with too. Man, we've been praying with you about that. And you got that new house. That's awesome. How amazing. I mean, you know, it's not a lot of fun to have good stuff happen and nobody to share it with. It's like, well, praise the Lord. That's awesome. We're there for the good and the bad. We're there to celebrate with each other. But we're also there to cry with one another. Ecclesiastes says, look, there's a, a time and a place for everything. There's a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to dance, a time to shout, a time for this and a time for, for There's a purpose for everything. Life is better together. It just is. We were created for these relationships. So we need all three of these aspects in our life. The power of the pulpit, the power of the spirit, the power of the circle. Now, as I was thinking about this and preparing it, obviously a verse comes to mind. The number three stands out. Of course, three represents Trinity. But yet three is talked about a lot throughout Scripture. But in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12, it says, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. But three are even better. For a three-braided cord is not easily broken. See, you can have the power of the pulpit and the power of the Spirit in your life and yet still be susceptible to attack in areas of your life. It's, it's good, but you need that third part. Let me say it this way. You need to partake of the body of Christ, which if you look around, this is your body of Christ. Why? Because this is your family. This is your house. This is the place that you call church. It's not just enough to come and listen to me or anybody else stand in this pulpit. There's a place for that. I believe in it. Absolutely. My life has been changed by the pulpit. But my life has been changed by the power of the Holy Spirit outside of the pulpit. But my life has equally been changed by the people that God has brought into my life. And there's not one that's greater than the other. It's a three-braided cord. That's braided tightly together. And in truth, I can't tell you sometimes the difference. Because there were times where the same person was the preacher. Was the same person that the Holy Spirit used. But they were also the same person who sat across the table from me. And said it's going to be alright. Or when I was frustrated and just wanted to quit. And they would say, no you're not. Sometimes you just got to tell some. You just got to have people in your life that just tell you no. 
You're not going to give up on that dream. You're not going to quit on, the, on what God placed you for or placed you in there to do. I mean, I've had God place me in situations before that I know the Lord put me in, and then I got frustrated. And I needed friends who would look at me and say, Remember, it was the Lord who put you here. And here's why. This is what you said the Lord told you back when it started. I don't like to hear those things. But I can tell you those are the things that have helped me the most. That people would remind me of the things that God spoke to me. That's the power of the circle. It's face to face. Paul could not get them a spiritual gift through a letter. It doesn't come through an email. Doesn't come through a text or even necessarily a phone call. Look, I believe we can pray. There's no distance in this. I get all of that. But there is something different when it's face to face. You know, Dustin, who was here last week, a friend of mine. I don't get to see Dustin very often and we don't really talk on the phone all that much. But it's totally different when it's face to face. It's completely different. It just is. And we know this to be true. If you've ever moved from a place, you know this to be absolutely true. Oh, we're going to stay in touch. Oh, we're going to come visit you. I can't tell you how many people told me that when I left Shreveport. Oh, man, how far is it? Two hours. Oh, we're going to come visit. I'm still waiting. Like, you know, I mean, (laughs) like, why? It's good intention. But the reality is the strength of a relationship many times, not always, but many times, hey, it's that face-to-face. We're doing life together. I've only got so much time to sit on the phone. I hadn't talked to you in a month. There's a lot that's happened in a month, so let me give you the highlights. (laughs) But there was a lot of things that went on that never even got discussed. But yet, in the context of relationship, weekly, regularly, we can connect together. In relationship. There's an old proverb that I like. I actually heard Egan Falk, who's a missionary we've had here, uh, say this. He says, if you want to walk fast, walk alone. But if you want to walk far, walk together. If you want to walk fast, take off. Go at it by yourself, but just know you're not going to make it to the finish line probably. If you want to walk far, you've got to walk together. Why? Because there's strength, there's safety, there's encouragement in numbers. You know, and and so, you know, and it's just part of how we're made. I mean, two friends are good, but having three of them together is even better. That triple braided cord. So you could say it this way. You know, talking about those three things, the, the work of God. The power of God comes through the pulpit. The power of God comes through uh, the Spirit. But the power of God also comes through other people. Not just your pastor. It comes through the body. Supporting one another. And for us to reach all that God wants us to, we have to have those relationships. We have to have that connection. Let me read you a a familiar passage of Scripture out of James chapter 5. James chapter 5, starting in verse 13. I want to show, I quote this verse quite often, but uh, I want to show you something here that just uh, stands out to me. But he says here in verse 13, he says, Are any of you suffering hardships? 
you should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and to pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. He says, such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make him well. It says, and if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Now, verse 16, very quoted verse. But I want you to hear what I'm going to show you here in just a moment. He says, confess your sins to each other. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confess your sins. You may not like that word sins, but it is in the Bible and we all commit them. Like, well, what sin? Anything that God don't like. Anything that, that we do and God says don't do that. That's, that's sin. And yet it says that we're to confess our sins, our faults, our slips, our problems. Our situations to each other. There's honesty in this moment. Look, I'm dealing with a circumstance. I'm dealing with a problem. I'm facing a situation. Well, what did he just say in the previous verses? Suffering hardships? Pray. And in context of what he's saying, it's pray with other people. Not just, well, I'm going to keep this way and be in the Lord. Says, are you happy? You should sing praises. It's more fun to have a party with people. Party, I mean, throw yourself a birthday party and invite nobody and see how much fun it is. <laughs> Made myself a cake. I blew myself some balloons. Go me. I'm awesome. It's not a whole lot of fun. We're created for relationship, for connection. Says. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. Now, this is an interesting statement. So, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Who's praying? Is God praying? People are praying, right? Okay, so here's the next question. Who brings the healing? It's an interesting question. You're praying together. And yes, healing comes from God, but it came through people. Confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. God's design is that many times His healing comes through people in our lives. Not just the power of the pulpit. Not just the power of the Holy Spirit. Look, I can tell you there's been times that I've just been eating dinner with somebody. And I'm sitting there and they we're just doing life, just talking. And all of a sudden I can sense the Holy Spirit. Just all of a sudden, it's like I'm not I'm not the one talking anymore. And all of a sudden the Lord began to say something through me, and I'm like, where did that come from? That's not because I'm a preacher. That's because I'm a part of the body of Christ and because I love the person on the other side of the table. The gifts of the Holy Spirit will begin to work through me for them. And that may be in a restaurant. And it's like, man, that was the Lord. Sometimes you won't even realize it. You just think, well, I'm just, we're just having conversation. And the wisdom of God is shared right through you. And you weren't even aware. Somebody could be healed because of something that's going on in their life. And because you're able to speak to that by the power of the Holy Spirit, even through you, 
that healing can come. But if you keep your mouth shut, no healing comes. Sometimes we over-spiritualize the work of God. We think, oh, well, this isn't a church service. Well, this isn't, you know, the way these things work. And we didn't have a prayer line. I'm not against any of those things. But I've seen it happen in my life. And I've, been, I've also participated with it in other people's life. Where God worked through me or God worked in me through somebody else. That brought about what God wanted to do in my life. That outside of relationship with other people wouldn't have happened. God brought healing through somebody else. Let me say it another way. Somebody else's healing and deliverance might be waiting on you. I don't say that to pressure you. But I want you to realize you have more in you than you realize. Are you not the body of Christ? Are you not full of the Godhead bodily through Christ? Yes, you are. Do you as an individual not have the power of the Holy Spirit in you? I sure hope so. Because you need it. If it's in you, it can come out of you. I mean, think about John 7. What? Rivers of living water will flow, not from the pulpit, from the belly of any believer. Rivers of living will flow through the body, not just the church house. What are those living waters? That's the Holy Spirit flowing through all of us. Now, you know, and I love this verse, and I quote it all the time. Proverbs eleven twenty five: He who waters will himself be watered. Accurately translated is this. Those who minister will themselves be ministered to. See, some of you are, are praying and asking God to, to work and praying for God to move. And, and really, the logjam is this. You got to start ministering to some folks. You got to start sowing some spiritual seed. So say, hey, I'm here for you. Is there anything I can pray with you about? And, and, and so you let the life of God start flowing not just to you, but through you. I'm telling you, there's a freshness that will come. And it's not just for, well, I'm not a preacher. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being in relationship with people. I know many of you probably haven't been on our website lately. But let me just share some vision with you. That's always been there, by the way, since we put it up. This ain't changing. This is what it's always been. We have a vision to what? To reach people. To touch people. We want to see the power of God present to move on people. That's our vision. This is how we do it. So more practical. And call it our mission, if you will. I don't know why people separate them. To me, vision and mission are the same thing, but people call them different. That's just what I... So we want to give people an opportunity to connect with God and with other people to grow in spiritual maturity and to ultimately build the kingdom of God. Three steps. Connect, grow, build. It's real simple. That's who we are. That's what we will be. We want to make sure that everybody can connect to somebody. We want to make sure that everybody is growing in their spiritual maturity. And we want to see everybody become a builder of the kingdom of God. But a lot of people will never make it to a builder until they're connected. This is not going to happen. It's just, it's just not. 
Now you can go on the website. It's right there when you first pull it up. It says vision and mission. Click it. It'll give you a breakdown of what that looks like. We were created for life. To do it together. Not isolated. Not by ourselves. We were created for relationships. And some of you have a desire. You're like, man, I want God to use me. But I just don't know how. Get in a small group. You'll have opportunity. You'll be sitting there and somebody's talking. All of a sudden the Holy Spirit will just drop something in your heart. And you'll be like, I don't know if that's the Lord. I'm freaked out. It's a good sign it might be the Lord, by the way. If you're like, I ain't saying that. That might be the Lord too. If you're nervous, maybe. Not always saying yes, but I mean, I remember. I'll give you a quick little deal. Now, this happened in a church service, but it's a weird exception. I served at our church in Kansas for seven years. Seven years. And I would preach. I mean, our pastor would go on vacation for two weeks. I'd cover the office. I'd run the church. I'd do all this stuff for him. I had a lot of experience. One particular Sunday morning, one in seven years, I was sitting about down here, roughly. Our sanctuary was wide and skinny. But I knew that the Lord had dropped something in my heart. Here's the crazy thing. It was for my pastors. And my first thought was, I ain't saying that. No way. I understand order and I understand I ain't in charge. I know how to... I I understand spiritual authority. And I was like, "Mm mm-mm. And I knew. And when I say I knew, I mean I knew that I knew that I knew. I was like, I ain't saying squat. And I sat over there in the Holy Spirit. I mean, just was... I don't even, I mean, you know the verse where it talks that where Jeremiah says it was like fire shut up in my bones? It was like that. I was like, if I don't say something, I might just die. I mean, you know, it wasn't that dramatic, but I kind of felt that way. But I knew in my heart. In seven years, totally out of character, I'm fighting in my mind. Finally, I just walked over to my, I mean, it was at the end of service. I just kind of walked because he sat about where Dare was. And I don't remember. I don't know what we were doing. But for whatever reason, because typically we were never on the front row at the same time or not much. And I just walked over to him. I said, Pastor, I believe the Lord has something for me to, to share. And he looked at me kind of funny. And I said, well, I said, I think it's for you and Pastor Lydia. And he said, okay, which was really weird. So I stood up in front of our church and I was like, Pastor, I think the and I shared what the Lord had given me. Kind of crazy. Totally out of character. Out of our norm. But yet, and I didn't even know what I was speaking to. Had no idea. He came to me the next day and was like, hey, just so you know, you were right on. Whew. Thought I might get fired today. Sometimes though, and look. There are right ways to do everything. But you know, I equally had those same kind of moments sitting across the table. Actually, a lot more of them just being in conversation and sometimes it's after the fact hey we were having dinner and you made a statement about this this and this I felt like the Lord just told me this is how you need to pray and they do it and then bam the answer comes and they're like you're a genie no I heard from the Holy Spirit and I just told you what he said because sometimes it's hard to hear from God for yourself that's one thing I've learned it's a lot easier to hear for other people sometimes than it is for even me I'm like, God, why don't you just like talk to me like this all the time? Because we were created for relationship. See, and that's nothing special about me. We all have gifts. 
We all have ability. We all have the same Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And the same one that works through me will work through you. But many times it's going to happen inside of a, a group, a smaller setting. I believe in the power of the pulpit. That's why we have this. We have this time, but I also believe in the power of the circle. I believe that something happens when we're face to face. If the Apostle Paul couldn't get a spiritual gift to them until he was face to face, I don't think we can either. So that's the opportunity that we have. And so, you know, this morning, as we wrap up, you know, on, I'll just kind of give you just real quick kind of what we're doing, kind of the schedule uh, for our Wednesday nights, because I encourage you, some of you may not attend on Wednesdays. As your pastor, I'm telling you, it will benefit you. I'm not about legalism. That's not my heart at all. I want you here because you want to be. But there are some opportunities that you have. So for the adults, we have three. One of them is called the promise principle. I'm not going to even tell you what all they are. There's information cards out there, but it's a different way of kind of going through the Bible. Bible study, kind of making it more personal. There's one that's actually going to be a video-based deal with John Bevere called The Bait of Satan. That's one. There's another one that's called Not Just Roommates, which is about, it's for us married folks. So there's information cards out there. You can take one. It's got a description. It's got details. They're going to start on September 13th, so it's a few weeks away. So the way we're going to do this is every first Wednesday of the month, we're going to have a full service. But any Wednesday other than the first Wednesday of the month, we're going to be in small groups. So there's little cards out there that you can fill out and say, hey, I'm interested in going to the Beta Satan. You're like, well, why do you need all that? Because we got to make sure we got the right things in the right places. we got some facility limitations. So, if, you know, I don't want to cram 30 people in the hospitality room and be like, hey, y'all have fun talking about marriage in there. You're like, it's not going to be good. So we need to, pl- we need to plan accordingly. So we just want you to fill out the card. If you've got questions, we'll have, uh, you know, different people uh, in there to help you. Uh, but all the information is there on the card. We even have invite cards. It says you can invite somebody. Got the, what the group is on the front and on the back. It says, hey, this group meets at North Point Church. Makes it easy. You got somebody you know that maybe is in a marriage struggle? Give them a card. Hey, I think this could help you. It's not hard. Now, I will say this. We have three groups. I have a leader for one. So what does that mean? That means I'm not going to do everything. That's what that means. Quite candidly. And my wife's not going to do everything. We are a part of this body. We are not this body. And I partly do that. Why? Because there are gifts in you. Now, you're not going to have to necessarily lead it. You will have to facilitate it. So here's what I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you about praying and saying, Okay, Lord, do you want me to facilitate a group? I just need two people. That's what I need. You're like, do you need it? Yes, I do. It's actually a need. Because by somebody else doing that, it facilitates and it enables me to do what I can do. That only I can do. I mean, I know that many times... People just don't understand. Every time I preach, it's a minimal eight hours. Minimal. Of preparation, of prayer, and everything else. So, And look, and I love to preach. I love to do it. It's not because I don't want to do it. I just believe that this is equally as effective. 
And I believe that we've ran on two elements of the way God works for a long time. And I think that we need this third element. We need the power of the circle in our church. You need the power of the circle in your life.